welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and I don't have a guest today because due to things that are not in either one of our control, he was not able to make it, but we have a decent amount to talk about, and I'm excited to dive into it with y'all, so let's just start talking about my weekend. I had a fantastic weekend. I started off Friday out fishing with my neighbor. I made a video specifically on Friday. And then roll it over into Labor Day weekend. I stayed at my camp and fished with my uncles and my grandpa for the weekend. Well, actually my whole family. And I was able to bring my daughter out. She was able to catch her first fish. And I was so excited that... She caught an Atlantic croaker, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, me personally, I ain't caught a croaker in years, and my daughter was excited. I was excited. Well, then I told her, you know, daddy's got another fish to enter into the rodeo I was fishing, and she was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll get on the finish the story, the rest of this story later on in the podcast. So let's start with Friday on my weekend I originally was going to leave the house for like 8 30 9 o'clock to make it down to the camp for like 10 well I texted my neighbor and I was like hey man what are you doing tomorrow are you working and he's like no I was like hey I'm going to my camp you're more than welcome to you know ride down we'll fish that day and do some stuff and he's like cool cool he's like I started tagging and I've been trying to do a video on it but the redfish ain't been cooperating. I was like, cool, we'll target redfish. We'll take, uh, well, I was like, you need to run your mud boat anyway. So we took his mud boat. We went out. We, I mean, we fished hard. And I, myself is also a tagger. And what it is is a way for people to track the fish movement and where they're going, how big they're growing in a certain amount of time. So, like, me as a tagger, I will tag a fish, put in the GPS coordinates and the size of it to the nearest inch when I catch it. So, you could they are really looking for redfish and speckled trout. So, we go in and we're like, okay, cool. Let's go. We go. We fish, fish, fish. We had a few fish that... We, I think Vinny hooked on the one early on. Nothing really happened. And then at about 11.30, I'm throwing a um, Cajun Lore's Mad Minnow. It's called the Voodoo Color. And what that is, it's a black minnow or black body with a chartreuse tail. And in the black, it has red flakes. So I'm throwing that, and all of a sudden, I just feel it. It nails it. Um, and I reel it in, we fight it, we get to tag that redfish. But y'all make sure y'all go watch the video. You can see a lot of funny things that happened throughout that day. I started recording a new way, so I think I have more I have more um video than just you know, the thirty seconds before the hookup or because the way I'm recording now is with looper on my GoPro and 
what Looper does, it allows you to record five minutes in or five minutes at a time in one minute inter intervals. And once you hit the stop recording button, it'll stop recording it until you start recording again. And then, of course, it'll start the five minutes over. But so I got a lot of video with this. I'm really excited about that video. The video that'll be coming out tomorrow is actually unboxing uh, Cajun Lores. We're in September, I believe now. So the September box. Um, really awesome box. But so the next day we go out and we're at the rodeo and my family has a camp on Lake Hermitage. And the Lake Hermitage Volunteer Fire Department every year on Labor Day hosts a fishing rodeo so we're out we're fishing we're looking for trout you know redfish there there's a bunch of different categories but it's like trout redfish catfish saltwater catfish i should say and flounders and a few others 12 pound and under redfish which is a slot red ultimately and we go to fishing area that we fish a lot for speckled trout and I'm throwing one of my comfort lures there because I know it works in that area we've caught trout in that area before um, I'm throwing a holy jolie from matrix shad well a matrix shad holy jolie and all of a sudden I thought I caught a juvenile red because I'm used to catching trout and this trout did not fight the same way. It is definitely the biggest trout that I've caught this summer. And possibly my personal best speckled trout. Um, and I actually wound up winning the tournament. So that'll be the following weekend's video. You know, we just had a great time being down there at the camp with our family and our friends. And that camp's really special to me. My great-grandfather actually built the original camp that was there. So, but rolling into the tagging and the speckled trout that I caught is that Louisiana has put, or Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries has put out a notice of intent to reduce the speckled trout limit from 25 to 15 and go up on the minimum length. So they're going from 12 inches, which it's currently, to 13 and a half inches will be the new one if this goes through. And that actually will have older specs more, and more of them. And I was actually talking to a charter captain about it, and he was like, yeah, man, you, you know, you take two people out and you catch 40 trout, they'll be like, oh, we didn't limit out. Well, that's 80 slabs of fish. And what happens? You might eat, let's say, 10 of them. You know, you might do a fish fry for some friends and have 20 of them eaten. And the rest of them go in your fridge for six months. And after they start to go bad and look like they're a science project, you throw them out and it's a waste. And he said for him going down on... The limit actually will be better because now he takes two people, they catch 30 fish, and they limit it out. So, win-win for him because there will be more fish, they'll be more plentiful, hopefully, and 
his clients will be happier because they can say, oh, we limited out on speckle trout, which is actually 10 less fish than if they would keep the limit where it is. So, But that's a part of the reason that me and Vinny started tagging was to get this data because you tag redfish and speckle trout. So I was able to tag one redfish this weekend and two speckle trout. I could have probably tagged more, but at one point we got, well, one night we went out, fished the lights, and we caught a ton of speckle trout that were 10 to 11 and three quarters. Just one after the other. Bah, bah, bah. And it was just, I, I don't know, it was just too much to, I think, do while you while we were fishing like that. And maybe if I was with a different group of people, it might have been a little bit better, but none of that's on video. Um, just because the way the fishing the lights are, uh, you can't really get a good angle with the GoPro. It'll be blurred out and just shine, shining. So, But some funny things happened with that. We caught a, or my uncle caught a garfish in the tail. And he was not happy at all. Um, these things are so prehistoric and just bony and everything else. And when he snagged it in the tail, because I guess they were eating the trout that were underneath the light. But when he snagged that thing in the tail, it took off. And and every time we tried to get the hook out, he would try to take off and rip, rip the hands off of us. And also... In that same wildlife fisheries meeting, commissioners meeting or commission, whatever it is, uh, or the Louisiana Wildlife and Fisheries Commission meeting, they and uh, also put a notice intent about the Manhattan, um, which for people in South Louisiana we call them a pogey. For people up north, y'all call them bunker. I don't know why, but. They put in a mandatory reporting data to the state. Sorry about that. That was my beautiful wife calling me. But so the Manhattan or Pogi, which that is a nasty fish, guys. Uh, like, oh my God. They're great for bait. Um, but they're just, talk about stink. I got some splashed in my face while putting them out for crab traps and like to puke right then and there out of the back of the boat just because, I mean, right in my, like, face and beard, and then I smelled pogey the rest of the day. And if you know what pogey smells like, that is not something you want to smell for very long. But anyway, getting back to what the notice of intent was, the notice of intent wants mandatory reporting to the state about monthly catches of these Manhattan, as it currently is that monthly catch is reported to NOAA and then NOAA reports it to Louisiana. And from what I'm... The article I read on it is actually the in, the Manhattan industry is on board with it. But a lot of your recreational fishermen and charter fishermen are trying to get the Manhattan industry to have to be further offshore. Because if you see what they're doing, um, they come in, they circle them with these big nets, and 
yes, they do have preventative measures so they don't pull up a 30-inch redfish into into sucking it. But So they close the nets, close the nets, close the nets, and then they start, I think, what I've seen, it looks like a vacuum that's sucking the fish out. Well, the problem is they also, I think, need to report their bycatch because what's the difference between a 6-inch pogey and a 6-inch speckled trout or white trout or redfish? You know, and they follow these schools because they got small pogey in them, so they're chasing the small pogies. So it's all just something needs to happen there because I think I don't want to blame any part of our fishery collapse on one particular issue that we're having. I believe it's a grander problem, and there's several factors contributing to it. And I know on one of the last podcasts I said about the Creo limits need to be separated between recreational and charter captains. And that could still be a thing they do, but either way, it doesn't matter. But I really think that there's so many issues impacting this that Louisiana needs to step in and say, wait, look, we need to address multiple facets to this problem so that in 10 years, we still have speckled trout. We still have redfish because from what I've been seeing, the redfish numbers are down. I know I've mentioned in another podcast about there was an area that we hunt fish at, and we haven't caught, well, last few times I've been there, we haven't caught any redfish, and same thing happened this time. So there's definitely something to it, which now the two redfish that me and Vinny caught on Friday was close to it and I think a part of it might be because we've been under some high water lately and the redfish are just moving into the marsh and you know I can't blame the redfish for moving into marsh there is bait all throughout the marsh that we were trolling around and throwing to them and kind of sight fishing them but not really we were more or less fan casting because the water was kind of dirty um, wasn't the greatest clarity I've seen in the marsh but speaking of the marsh That'll get us to this week's episode, uh, or segment, I guess you could say, of trapping. And we're going to talk about the raccoon because, you know, he lives everywhere from Canada in the Central America, all throughout the country, except for in the desert and uh, some of the higher parts of the Rocky Mountains. But um, everybody knows what a raccoon is. Trash panda, you know, they're kind of gray black face or black eyes looks like a bandit running through the woods with a tail with gray and black rings around it so uh, raccoons actually like to wash their food when they eat it so a lot of times you'll find them around water and if you deer hunt you know they love corn feeders i don't know how they know where them corn feeders are but you put a corn feeder out and they're there within a couple of days and it will eat it to high heavens but they'll also eat fish crawfish mussels um fruits nuts grains and garbage bird eggs small animals including mice rabbits snakes turtles frogs and insects and most food prepared for by humans or animals or or prepared by humans for animal consumption uh that's why they are called trash pandas 
and you know that they're really detrimental to birds because they eat eggs, but especially ground nesting birds such as turkeys, quail. So if you're trying to manage a piece of property to turkey hunt on, quail hunt on, or any other ground nesting bird, and even like wood ducks, they'll climb up into the up a tree because they climb really good and steal the eggs out of the hole. So the easiest way I have found the trap is with a dog-proof trap. And if you're not familiar with what a dog-proof trap is, it's a cylinder where when the trigger's actually on the inside, and when they reach in and pull up the trigger, it grabs their leg, and it won't allow them to come back out. You can also use footholds, and, you know, you're looking for around a four-inch to probably a four-and-a-half-inch jaw spread, roughly. Check your BPMs, because that's a great um, thing to show it. I don't. Now, you can use cage traps also. So, like, uh, the traps that you see at, let's say, Lowe's or Home Depot aren't the best. You might want to try to get one that's a little bit heavier duty, because if you get a boar coon, he's getting out. He's going to rip that wire and just be gone before you get to it. Um, but you want a door size 10 by 12, 1 by 2 mesh, and 12, 12 gauge galvanized is what it's saying. So total diameters of the cage trap should be 32 by 10 by 12.75. I mean, I don't know what size mine is, but mine's actually designed to catch coyotes. So I believe I could catch a coon in mine. Um, but for the coil spring traps, an unmodified one inside jaw spread at the dog is 3 and 11 16th inches. And at the hinge post is 3 and a half. A double jaw is 4 and 5 16th to 4 and 9 16th. Or that's at the dog. And at the inside jaws at the frame or hinge post is four and five eighths to four and thirteen sixteenths uh, and i'm not going to go over all of these but i mostly use the dog proofs which are easy simple if i'm going to set a blind set i'll use like an mb450 uh, and if you're trying to manage property that's one thing that property management is you have to get in and manage your predators which Obviously, a raccoon is a nest predator. They will also do damage to houses and structures trying to get into them. So, but like I said, uh, you can use a cage trap if you have one and you have a problem raccoon. But if you're looking to get into trapping raccoons, I would definitely say go with the dog proof. I would also get some like MB450s or something of that equivalent size to put out for raccoons that may be trap shy of the dog proofs or that you're having issues with catching and you can always put them in an area that will force or that they travel and it's what they call a blind set you want to bait it or anything and it would just happen to step on it and then the trap would grab them on my youtube channel i'm actually going to start a video series right now trapping 101 is out if you're interested in trapping go ahead check that out at our youtube page it's b-side outdoors 
the link tree will be in the show notes below. That'll have the link to all our social medias and to, I think, well, if you're in Louisiana, you can also click on there and it gives you a link to join Louisiana Trappers Associate. Well, Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Associate. And if you're in the Louisiana area on November 4th and 5th, they will have a Trapper Rendezvous at Woodworth Shooting Range in Woodworth, Louisiana. Um, they're going to have mink trapping, or, well, Friday night will be a meet and greet, multi-state business discussion, an evening meal at 7. It's going to be a fish fry, um, and it's going to be like 12 bucks for it. And then round table discussion into the night will probably just be people sitting around, you know, shooting it. And Saturday, starting at 8.15, which that's a weird time to start. I mean, whatever. But at 8.15, starts off with mink trapping, then fire and survival after that, then alligator skinning, and then Louisiana fur, Nutra. And then there'll be a kids demo, so bring the kids out there. Oh, hold on, I just lost it. Hang on, I lost it, guys. Yep, you know... Then after that, there's gonna be a presentation, water trapping, multi-species from the National Trappers Association president. Um, then another kids demo, and then a necropsy through Dr. Fabio, which I've seen this, and that is an excellent thing to attend. You get to learn all kind of stuff about it. And then there's gonna Alphys is going to do a hog trapping and thermal shooting demo. Come on out, guys. It's a great time. And then there's going to be an auction. And look, you want to get a steal on some stuff? Go ahead to this to this event because last year, I'm just going to say, I bought a Yeti ice chest with a few other things for next to nothing. I mean... I got a good deal, and it was donated to this association. So, and if you want any more information on it, you can find the Louisiana Trapper and Alligators Hunters Association on Facebook at Louisiana Trappers and Alligator Hunters Association. Um, so, I have some corrections about my alligator hunt coming up. I got some bad news. Well, I probably won't be able to film it because I read so I read the rules for hunting alligators in Louisiana it said nothing about videoing them well when I read the WMA rules for the lottery they do not allow videoing of alligator hunts on WMAs and I think it's really to kind of make it safer I guess I'm not not 100% sure why what's going on there also if you live in Louisiana Make sure you follow our Instagram and Facebook because whenever they announce the dates for the one-day trapping classes, I'll put that out there. And then they do have the three-day classes that, that you have to attend the one-day and then do the three-day. There's also a online class, and I know you can find it through the state's website. I'll try to – hold on. Oh, actually, <laughs> i got to tell you all this. So in the middle of recording about raccoon trapping, I got a notification on my phone from Facebook from Deer Gear TV. And 
it was a post I'd commented on like a week ago or so, and it's like, looks like somebody having a party, and there is one, two, three, four, five, definitely in the picture, and I think maybe six raccoons just hanging out underneath a feeder. And I, the, my comment was, trapping season is right around the corner, but I will actually go into a little bit about where to set raccoon traps if you're trying to trap a feeder so that you can maximize your catch rate on them. All right, so I just looked up, uh, now that I got undistracted because I had a no-squirrel moment there, if you go to louisianafur.com and go to the hamburger menu, and from the hamburger menu, which if you're confused what a hamburger menu is, that's what I've heard the three little lines called, go to Trapper Education, they have a drop-down menu there, and go to Trapping Courses and Resources. If you click on it, at the top of the page, it'll be like Louisiana Level 1 Online Trapping Course. And right below that, you can actually click on, it says Louisiana Online Trappers Course. Click on it, and it'll bring you there. Now, they don't, and underneath there will also have the one-day schedules. But as of right now, yeah, that's not, this is a last year's schedule that hasn't been. And for Louisiana residents, remember, it is free to attend these one-day classes. It's provided through the Louisiana Trappers Association, uh, but also on louisianafur.com, they have pelt handling, skull cleaning, trapping benefits. Let's go on the trapping benefits tab. Uh, so some of the benefits, habitat management, overpopulation and disease control, endangered species and migratory bird protection. And what's really cool is there's... Um, a menu about rare species under respiration. Under restoration. Jeez, not respirations. Respirations when you breathe. But it'll have, like, I'm going to show sage grouse. The animal to trap for that to aid the restoration is coyotes. Or the whooping crane. You should do coyotes and red foxes. Uh, the least turn. Red foxes, raccoons, coyotes, and possums. The Spotted sea turtle. Did not know. But yeah, if you trap raccoons, skunks, and possums, that's that one. So it's pretty good information on there. And you can always contact the Fur Advisory Council. They have a thing there. And somebody will probably get back to you. I don't know. I've never contacted them. So um, Then they also have, we were talking about Nutra last week. There's a... So, on that drop-down menu, we were talking about Nutra last week. There's a Nutra meat and recipes. So, it'll give you some uh, facts about the Nutra meat. And actually, that is one of the healthiest meats you can eat. Raccoon, not so much. It is good to eat. But make sure you get them scent glands out of a raccoon. Because if not, um, you're going to want to burn down your house. That's all I'm saying, if you cook it with that. But yeah, so, definitely... If you have any questions, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram. We have a TikTok, YouTube, and we will get back to you. We might even answer it on the podcast. And, you know, I'm over here looking at the time because I just looked up, and that's about 30 minutes, or it's 27 minutes and 38 seconds. So that's about all the time we have. And I just realized I forgot to tell y'all about the spec. So my daughter, so, all right. 
my I brought my daughter, my wife and daughter came down for Sunday, and my uncle was like, "Look, if you want to take my boat, it's a gator tail boat." He's like, "Just go take it," and I was like, "Okay, cool, thanks." So I took his boat, and we drove to a little area not far, probably half a mile from the camp at the most. And there's some pylons there, and we were just fishing the pylons, and I was fishing back behind them. And, you know, I feel it all of a sudden. I'm like, all right, now come reel it in, baby. So she's reeling, 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 and it's, and it's an Atlantic croaker, and I get excited. I'm like, woo, you know, it's your first uh, saltwater fish, you know, and I'm excited because it's an Atlantic croaker. And I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't caught them in a while. Well, so then I tell her, let's we're going to weigh in the fish for the tournament. So we go there. She's all excited, you know. She's playing with her cousins and all, but she's like, oh, let's go weigh in the fish. Let's go weigh in the fish. So they weigh in my fish. They read the weight. She's excited. Ooh, my daddy's fish, my daddy's fish. So then we go. When we get there, I'm like, I told my wife, I said, let's go walk by the leaderboard. I just want to see. So we walk up, and I'm like, I'm in first place. And look, I'm not saying I deserved it better than second or third place because the difference between my fish and third place was .05 of a pound. Yes, you heard that right. .05 of a pound. Five hundredths of a pound was what separated first and third place. We had a trout that weighed 2.27. Second place was 2.24, and then third place was 2.22. So it's not like you could be like, oh, you dominated at it. I didn't dominate. That was luck of the draw. If it, if I would have waited an extra three minutes to weigh that fish, I may have been around the same weight as second place just from the fish drying out. And I know they probably weighed in before me because we were like the last three people to weigh in. I don't know. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. Go check out the YouTube, because this will all be on YouTube. And as I always say, go thank a veteran, and I hope to catch you on the B-side of the outdoors.